0: hello and welcome to makers. Dev, episode number 69 chris do you have anything funny or clever to say about the episode number for today i sure don't <laughs> Shoot, i couldn't
1: i couldn't think of any either
0: hmm. interesting yeah. uh cool <laughs> um how's it going <laughs> what what did you just get back from doing
1: oh yes so uh it's been about uh it's been two weeks since we talked on the podcast, but only a few days since we've seen each other in person. Yes. Yeah, we were we were you both a dimensional You're That's a real right. actual person. That's right. Uh yeah, it was great. It was my first uh real trip since uh COVID started and uh it was great to be around people again. Yeah, it was nice.
0: I loved it. It was yeah. It like we've spent so much time working and chatting and doing the podcast and stuff and uh before the pandemic like i you you were an acquaintance of mine at microconf and uh i i knew about the sort of stuff that you're doing but uh we were we were more acquaintances than friends and so it was really nice to see you in person like go out to eat and coordinate stuff and uh shy Schechter is uh at at the same level as you in my brain of the amount that i interact with you online so like oh man there was this moment i i vividly remember of a conversation with the two of you in person. I was talking to both of you and you two were talking to each other. And I was just like, this is great. <laughs> and we're all here in real life and we're going to go eat and eat the same food together. And uh, yeah, it was it was really, really cool. I uh, I enjoy meeting up in person. Not the most practical thing day to day. I've got my whole network of stuff in Dallas and uh, it'd be great if you guys wanted to move to Dallas, but uh, we've all sort of got our own stuff and our own geography of what we need to do. But I really appreciated being able to have us all together that was really cool
1: yeah i mean microconf is great because it's like everyone there sort of speaks the same language and uh so yeah all the stuff we talk about on the podcast like other than that no one else in my life i think understands like what i do or you know like everything that goes on and so yeah it's just really cool to be in person there's still something about being in person that it's just different than Zen- <laughs> particularly particularly
0: MicroConf. I, I, let's let's dig into MicroConf first. I was talking to someone who, uh, it was their very first time at a MicroConf, but they'd gone to a bunch of other uh, B2B SaaS conferences uh, for software before. And I asked them how they liked it their very first time. I was like, "Oh, welcome to MicroConf. That's so cool. And they said, it's so different than the other software conferences I've been to. And I asked them to explain how, in what way is it different? And they thought for a second and thought, well, everyone's more authentic. There's... Uh, there's a lot more posturing at other software conferences and a lot more name dropping and a lot more like uh, sort of subtle, like one upsmanship in this game of that you're not, you can't overtly one up them because then that's petty. So you, you sort of have to like drop hints as to how you're more important than the other person. But at this one, you know, you, you can be talking to someone who, you know, you idolize who you listen to their podcast and uh, you can have a conversation. that's like really real and, and very vulnerable with them. Um, we had an experience like that chatting with Rob Walling, the founder of Microcom. We were just chatting and like that felt so cool. That I like I that if if we had had that conversation several years ago when I was like wet behind the ears and just going to Microcom for the first time, I just would have been uh, uh dazzled of like, oh my god, it's a person from the internet and they're talking <laughs> to me. Uh but this one I just felt totally relaxed and I was like, yeah, you know, here's here's some vulnerable things happening in my life and he was like, Oh, I, I had a similar experience and uh it felt like Felt like we were really uh, making friends with him. So yeah, it was really cool. And you know, this guy has so much more money than us. <laughs> like ran a company that was, uh, I think drip at its, at its height when Rob was running and had something like a hundred employees uh, and we're just chatting with him. He's just a dude. Like all these people are real, actual people and you can talk to them and uh, <laughs> they all poop and they all eat. And <laughs> they all need to sleep and <laughs> uh, I, I like about MicroConf that no one seems to be pretending to be something they're not it's all authentic real like nerdy engineers who are trying to figure out how to do business
1: yeah and i think that comes from the top like even like talk selection there's always like a talk about some kind of mental health or like founder health you know strategies and and things like that so like this year it was sherry walling talking about exits and like basically how they can feel Uh, at the same time great and also you know like terrible (laughs) like there is and and so there's always at least one of those kind of talks and then also the organizers like they really recommend that you actually talk to people in the hallway and they have a whole you know it's called the hallway track like uh sort of informally right but um yeah so i think everybody from the top down is really focused on connecting as people instead of just coming to listen to talks so yeah, yeah and same here. My first microcomps, I remember really listening to the talks and getting a lot out of those. Um, but yeah, as as it's gone on, like you can, <clears throat> th- there's only so many tactics, right? And you hear them and it's good to be reminded of them. But um, yeah, it just becomes more and more about the people. Although there are still like things I took out of every talk probably that, you know, are still very interesting. And may- not that I hadn't heard before, but maybe think about things in a different way. So yeah, talks are still great too
0: same i have some uh three key takeaways from the talks and conversations at microconf um i did want to mention briefly though like as i've gone to more Microconf, they've felt very different to me and i don't think it's microconf that's changing i think it's me that's changing the yeah. very first one i went to i <laughs> i was just so excited and scared and like didn't know anyone and i think i was i think i was like 24 or 25 uh, and one of the first talks I saw was uh, a talk by Rob Walling talking about how he was growing. I think it was drip at the time. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting there taking copious notes just cause that's what I do. And, uh, he, he pulled up a slide and he was like, and then we did this thing and we were making $15,000 a month. And I was like, oh my God, $15,000. <laughs> that's so much. And then he was like, and then three months later, we grew to $25,000 a month. And I was like a month, is that a mistake? Is he, is he saying a year? And then he was like, and then $60,000 a month. And I, I was on like, my calculator, like 60,000 times 12. Oh my God, that's so much money. Um, And just every, like every talk was hitting me like that of You know oh seo is a thing and you can you can do things to rank higher on google that's amazing um that you know after after my second or third microconf the the major categories of things there's there's not that many entire categories of new information of like raising your prices or like uh marketing channels or like the importance of talking to customers uh the 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 things that i get out of it now are much more nuanced and uh it's it's you know Yes, of course, do this thing. But here, here's a particular way that you can be doing it. Here's a strategy. Or here's a way that you can be measuring how well you're doing. Um, and uh, went from my first microconf, like meeting a bunch of people and just being starstruck of like, oh my god, it's Justin Jackson! <laughs> Whoa, it's it's Josh Kaufman, the author of one of my favorite books. To uh, later on, it's like these are all friends and these are all people who I'm just happy to see and uh, get updates on their life and uh, get their insight on on your own life and uh, that that's really cool i feel like i'm uh, maturing in whatever this thing is community
1: <laughs> life life <laughs> yeah. maturing in life yeah. uh yeah yeah same here uh you mentioned three takeaways what were your three takeaways
0: takeaway number one by asia orangio uh orangio she told me how to pronounce it she speaks italian i think it's orangio <laughs> she, she changed her name recently uh oh. after getting married temporarily focus on a segment instead of niching down. I have gotten so in my head about this concept of niching file and box down that like I, I could become File Inbox for accountants or even better, I could become Inbox for tax accountants who specialize in tax accounting for <laughs> gymnastics uh, facilities. Um, and that's just an overwhelming problem to me because it feels like a trapdoor decision. Like if I niche down, what if I pick the wrong niche? What if, what if after I niche down and I invest all this time and energy into niching down, it's, it was actually the wrong niche to pick? Um, it, I, I felt so paralyzed by this for so long in File Inbox, sort of lamenting that, like, man, you know, convert kit strategy of niching down into uh, uh, food bloggers. Uh, and then it was like paleo food bloggers who were specifically women, I think. Uh, how much easier that is to grow if you if you can so narrowly define your customer segment. But I felt like File Inbox was this very horizontal product that like I didn't know which of those niches to focus on. And I think I think my efforts in that have been trying to answer the question like what is the best niche? And I th- that just seems like an overwhelming problem. I don't know how to answer that because what is well, the best is like highest LTV, but it's also like who do I enjoy working with the most? And it's also like who is the easiest to get into contact with? It's it's a very hard problem. And Asia's talk, which you can read the recap of at recap.app, the new home for my microconf recap uh, stuff, was not to frame it as niching, but to frame it as you're just temporarily focusing for her. Her number was six months. I think I'm going to do uh, a little shorter than that. But if you do that, you just say like, okay, for the next period of time, I'm going to focus on a niche. I'm going to focus on a vertical, a segment of my audience. So for me, that would look like, okay, for the next three months, I'm going to focus on things I can do in marketing for sign printers. And I immediately in saying that, I, I have these old fears in my head of like, uh are, are you sure you want to do sign printers? Because <laughs> right. what if that's not actually the best? And what if they're not? Go-? And the answer is like, who cares? Because I'm not changing my overall branding. That's just focusing. I'm just making some landing pages for sign printers. And I'm just adding some onboarding things of like, are you a sign printer? You probably want these sorts of forms to start up with and I'm focusing on like what are places where sign printers hang out that I can buy advertisements on. Um, talking to sign printers uh, podcast hosts and seeing if I can get influencers in, in the sign printing industry to, to uh, talk about File Inbox, uh, give it to them for free. And then I go to another niche and that's fine. Uh, there's there's no, I'm not tied to that. It's not, it's not a trapdoor decision. That's not going to change the overall branding of File Inbox. It, it was a very subtle shift of like, Instead of niching, you're just focusing. But that that felt really freeing when I uh, heard you say that. Uh, what are your thoughts on my takeaway number one? Niche uh, instead of niching, focus.
1: Yeah, um, I yeah I had a similar sort of revelation from that talk, which is yeah like, I mean you can ha- you can have many different focuses uh, as a solo dev. You should do one at once, right? But then you know after. You know, five iterations of this, you'll have like five different landing pages, like your main page will still be relatively generic, but you'll have like five different things that focus just on those thing, those those niches, right. Um, and the, the other thing which he kind of mentioned is one of the huge benefits to this is what uh, so Nathan Berry found with ConvertKit, um, he has this Twitter thread, which I think he wrote a long time ago, but is now resurfacing, uh, which is how he grew ConvertKit at the beginning. And one of the ways he did that was by focusing um, and one of the huge benefits that he saw was that, like, say you're you're talking about, yeah, like, like paleo food bloggers, right? There are, I don't know, I mean, at least before when, when he was doing it, there was I don't know, maybe like 100 of them, like that are super successful, or maybe even less, like 25, right. Um, and they all kind of know each other, because they're all in their same group. And so what he found is he would go to one, he would get them to switch to convert kit, he would go to another one, get them switched to, switch to convert kit, by the time he got to like the third or fourth or fifth one, they had all heard that their friends were switching. Because they all talk, they're all in the same niche, right? Mm-hmm. And so by the time he by the time you got to like the fifth, sixth, seventh one, uh, they're like, I feel like everyone on the internet is switching to ConvertKit. That's yeah, one yeah. of the, the the quotes he has. Um, and it's not. It's just that you know, of the 25 major food bloggers, he got three of them to switch, and now everyone in th- now every other one thinks that everybody's switching. Um, so you get like this real knock-on effect, especially uh, if the niche kind of talks to each other and is small. And so that that really, you know. That's really a benefit of targeting a super small, small one, focusing on a super small one, uh, one at a time.
0: Yeah. And you can get that benefit without niching. When those, right, paleo food bloggers went to ConvertKit.com, they saw probably a, a generic, you know, this is a generic marketing tool, but uh, you do get those network effects of everyone in the space knowing about it. Um, yeah, that it, it makes so much sense. I'm going to, just blatantly copy what Nathan Berry did, which I knew about before, but that, that yeah. framing of focusing instead of niching like that, that really clicked something for me. Um, and I'll link in the show notes. Nathan Berry has a recent Twitter thread about uh, what he did at ConvertKit. And he's now making insane amounts of money. Uh, <laughs> tens of tens of millions a month or something ridiculous. Uh, cool. Number two, uh, buying is harder than selling. This was from April Dunford's talk. Talk uh april dunford is the author of obviously awesome one of the canon books in the macro space um and it's this idea that like she she at the beginning of her talk asked the audience who here thinks selling is hard and it's a room full of developers who <laughs> are all at market comes so they can figure out how to market so everyone's hand goes up and she's like okay yeah of course uh buying is harder than selling and then she explained what she meant by that that like she uh told this great story about she had to buy a toilet because she moved into a new house or something and had to replace one of the toilets and she goes to the toilet store and there's a million toilets and the salesperson comes up to her and says hi can i help you and she says yes i'm here to buy a toilet and uh the salesperson says what kind of toilet would you like and she's like i i don't know <laughs> it's a toilet and he's like sort of annoyed goes, well you just go look around and tell me what tell me which toilet you want Uh, And she just felt overwhelmed and like embarrassed that she didn't know (laughs) what kind of toilet she wanted. Uh, So she left the toilet store, uh, not buying a toilet and went home to research what kind of toilet she wanted and found out all these technical details of like, there's statistics on how much solid uh waste a toilet can flush and the higher rated ones can flush something like two pounds of of solid waste yep uh which is a a image that's uh in my head now (laughs) that she put in everyone's head at the talk uh and you know all all these things of like um how much water do they use and and tankless versus tank and it's it's this infinite complexity which i resonate with because like anytime i make a purchasing decision i feel like that's the process i go through and then by the end of it, I emerge a week later and I know everything about whatever the product category is. Uh, I did this recently with smart home stuff and just knew everything about smart home stuff. Um, and, uh, April in her journey to try to find a new toilet just felt sort of overwhelmed by like, I I still don't know. I have all these technical details. I know a lot more about what toilets are and, uh, how the professionals measure them, but I still haven't answered what's the right toilet for me. So she goes to a new toilet store, uh, and the salesperson goes up to her and says, hi, uh, you're probably looking for a toilet right like jokingly she's like "Ah, oh, yeah yeah." and he's like man buying a toilet sucks doesn't it and it's like overwhelming and you probably just want to get a toilet and never have to think about it again she was like yes exactly ah you, you get me uh just starting with empathy like he, he understands her perspective uh and he simplified it for her. he was like look here's the first decision you need to make the toilets on this side of the store are cheaper than the toilets on this other side of the store the cheaper toilets are toilets that aren't used very frequently. So it's like if it's in your basement or if it's in a side room or a powder bathroom. Uh, so that's the first choice you need to make. Are you buying a toilet that's gonna be used frequently, like once or multiple times a day or infrequently? She he was like, oh, I understand that. It's gonna be used frequently. This is for a, a bedroom. So he was like, great. Uh, next question, is your bathroom big or small? Because if it's small, you probably want tankless where you put the tank in the wall, save a little space in your bathroom but if your bathroom is bigger you probably don't need to worry about that you can you can have your tank outside and she was like oh well, i understand that i think my bathroom is pretty big but here's the diagram do you think that's a big bathroom and he looked at it and was like oh yeah that, that's a big bathroom you don't need to worry about the tankless uh and then he had a third question uh that was i don't remember <laughs> something about i don't remember it was the third question
1: that, that she understood that was along the same lines do you remember one of them one of them was like decorative versus functional basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: like the fancy ones that are like gold-plated or, or something else he was like yeah i don't need that so he said okay great after those three questions that you understood we're left with these two toilets and this one's more expensive than the other one and she said wow that, that drastically simplified what my decision choices were well of these two which would you re- recommend And he said, well, this one is more expensive, but I've never had anyone have any problems with it. So personally, I would go with this one. Uh, So she was like, great, sold, I'll I'll buy it. And the point of her talk was like, what a fantastic experience, what a service that she's walking away from that now with enough knowledge that if someone asked her, why did you get this particular toilet? She would say, ah, I can tell you exactly why I got this toilet because (laughs) it's used frequently and it's in a big enough bathroom that I don't need it to be tankless and I didn't need it to be decorative. And this is the best one for that. Uh, she, so so what he did was like, reframe the decision criteria in a tree where each node in the tree, each choice was something that she understood. It wasn't like, you know, how how, how many pounds of solid waste do you need to flush in the toilet? Because that's like, what, what does that even mean? Uh, how, how do I make that decision as a customer? That's not, that's not a problem in the words that I'm framing the problem. Um, so I, I love that framing of of how to sell something. Your job as a salesman is to understand the marketplace and to reframe the choices you have to make in words that the customer understands and map the landscape as you understand it, dumb it down, simplify it to actually teach them something. And if you're doing that authentically, if you're not you know, trying to push them towards your product, but maybe you have a comparison sales page for me, that would be like uh, Dropbox file request versus file inbox. Uh, me doing that, honestly, I would send some people to Dropbox file request. There are some people that that makes a lot more sense. Uh, so if I'm, if I'm educating people in an authentic way uh, to, to build more trust, I would be saying, okay, in these circumstances, <laughs> if, if you have a file upload request thing that's going to be used frequently, <laughs> uh, that's, that's not one of the ones I would use. I still need to think about this. Uh, yeah. Then then you should use uh, this thing over this other thing. So that was fundamental point number two that I learned. What are your thoughts on buying being harder than selling?
1: Yeah, this one was probably my favorite talk because it had, like, she started with that premise that if you think selling is hard, then basically try buying a piece of software. Um, and from that, you know, float all these other things um, that were, like, we're just you know, I had heard all these, this before, but it like stuck in my mind in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's so many great takeaways, uh, in the talk. So definitely read your recap um, or watch the talk talk when it comes out. But like even things like, um, uh, so like you said that, um, you should have a page which may direct some people to other competitors, project products, um, in this comparison kind of page, she calls that like a buyer's guide, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, yeah, the idea is that you know more about this market than your buyer does almost certainly. And the buyer, like the buyer is probably like some boss said, we need, you know, email marketing tracking and then told some project manager to go buy it. That project manager doesn't want to do this really either, you know, so they just want to pick one that sort of works. And so if you have a big page and you t- sort of truthfully lay out the differences between your, pro- your, your, um, SAS and, and someone else's, then, you know, even though it's coming from a biased source, they'll still respect that. And, uh, And it's good to, one of our points was it's good to turn away people because they would have churned anyway, probably. They would have gotten into your thing and that would have been like a new trial and you would have been all excited and then they would have just churned after a few months. Um, So, yeah, you'll have less, less, you know, support requests and you'll have better customers and your customers will be happier uh, if you like truthfully talk about your product in a way that they understand in their Mm -hmm. words, not your words. um, And you, uh, yeah, so those are my takeaways as well. And, yeah i'm so one of the things i'm doing for acorn chat is writing a buyer's guide f- just from that yeah because there's what a hundred or more options for live chat widgets Yeah. and uh yeah so i'm going to go through all of them basically and learn what they do myself and then sort of talk about you know the major ones and how they're different and um that's also good for seo too because like people will be searching for that so yeah yeah it's it's yeah that was probably my favorite talk <laughs>
0: The, the buyer's guide specifically for Acorn Chat makes a lot of sense to me and we talked a little bit about this uh, in person in Minneapolis um, how uh, I think so yeah you you can be the, the really good toilet salesman for the, the <laughs> right. live chat uh, and I, I uh, was surprised that in Rob Walling's talk he had sort of a grab bag talk of like a a bunch of tips uh, generically of things to do to improve your SaaS. And one of them was, have a live chat widget that goes to Slack. And he mentioned two things that were not your thing. Um, (laughs) So I I imagine there are more of them, Uh, but I'm curious how you're framing that uh, high level buyer's guide. What's, have you thought about like in what circumstances someone should use uh, uh, Intercom over Acorn Chat and how your product is differentiated from any of the other ones on the Slack app store?
1: yeah so the main thing right now and this is something else too which is the buyer's guide will probably change every maybe six months as i add features and stuff like that but mm-hmm. right now um large teams should be should use something else because this is not a, a like this doesn't have multiple customer service you know teams based on hours and all that stuff like yep. mine is simple right so this is for the you know solo dev or small team who wants something simple so right. that's 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 pretty easy switch all, all together um The next is like i talked to a lot of people at microconf who use live chat through their crm or through another thing so like help scout has one intercom obviously um, which is intercom is famous for live chat but they have a lot of features like they're a total customer solution um uh, and then there's others and so if you already have live chat in your crm like you should probably just use that (laughs) like I, i can't compete with something that's that's integrated that deeply Um, yeah. And then I have some other things, but even just those two big options, like I think that shows, if I, if I put those in a buyer's guide, it'll show buyers that, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be something I'm not, I'm not trying to be this huge customized solution and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, hopefully it builds trust basically as they read it.
0: Something I love about those two questions is that's something I can really easily answer as a client, as a, as a, from my perspective, I'm a business owner trying to, uh, get live chat in my site. And you're asking me, okay, is your team big? Uh, right.
1: I'd love a number on that. Like, I don't know, over. Yeah, over I was trying to think. Probably like 10 people, maybe something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you
0: know, does your organization have more than 10 people? I know that. I can answer that very quickly. No, it does not. Uh, if it is, probably want to use something like Intercom because that has much more team features. If not, uh, keep going. Uh, do you already have live chat in your CRM? I don't know if I do. Uh, or sorry, not a CRM or, or like a help help uh, software.
1: Yeah, I have to think about how to word that because there's help so- there's CRMs with them, there's help software with the, like help desk ones with them, there's like customer success that also have them bolted on, and so yeah. I need to figure out a way to kind of group that all together. But yeah, I, I think I would want to be asked like, are you already using any of the
0: following software, and then hmm. list the software that has uh, like the, the, any of the following help desk so- software or uh, uh, something else. Yeah. Um, and if I'm already using help scout uh, maybe I didn't even know that it had this live chat feature Uh, I'm using groove right now and I don't know if that has a live chat. I don't, I don't think it does. Uh, But yeah, that would be the next criteria is like, are you using any of the following software? If you are the easiest thing for you to do is just going to be to use the feature in that software uh, of what the live chat is. If not keep going. And then I think the keep going is like, are you already in Slack? And if you're already in Slack, (laughs) And you fit these other criteria if you like living it for me that would be no i i don't use slack i uh have nothing that i'm using slack for so i I would probably need to find something else um but if you are using slack and you've matched the criteria before and whether or not i'm using using slack like that's a question i can answer i know whether or not i'm I'm using slack uh then you want to use something like acorn chat uh and if not i don't know maybe there's a text-based one that you can recommend or uh maybe there's a mode of acorn chat that doesn't work for you slack you're pretty tightly integrated into slack though you probably don't want to
1: well so that's why so i am currently like it's it is all in slack Um, but i could see a future where in six months i have a dedicated app and maybe like a yeah twilio text feature um and maybe even an integration with microsoft teams although i don't like microsoft teams so (laughs) i probably won't build that very quickly but uh, if people ask for it maybe i will
0: so yeah another thing to mention i don't think this is a I don't think this is a decision point but uh in the in the section on is your team big I think mention the pricing of Intercom because that goes up real fast.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that's part so yeah, so there's a few p- different parts to a buyer's guide. One is like is your software good for them or not. And yeah, the other is all about the way different software in your space works. And so one of the one of the ways that software in the space works is pricing. And so I don't have per user Per seat pricing mm-hmm. um intercom does um or intercom, intercom's pricing is very confusing we'll say that and it goes mm-hmm. up really fast and so yes yeah, so, so some of the some of the something that should be in a buyer's guide is intercom has all these features but it's also crazy expensive yep so um if you're not looking to spend a crazy amount of money then use one of these <laughs> other pieces of software you know? yeah 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 i think uh question number
0: two should go before question number one uh do, do you are you already using the software that would already have it and then intercom yeah. could be one of those pieces of software and if i'm true. if i'm because that's going to be the easiest thing and then if i'm not then well is your team big or small if it's big you probably want to start using one of those previous things uh probably intercom and then if it's small then we go to acorn chat uh yeah love it i need to do the same thing for filing bucks i want to chew on that more though uh cool that is point number two that i learned buying is harder than selling Point number three did not come from a talk. This came from a late night conversation between you and me and Josh Kaufman and Shai Schechter. I'm optimizing for experience instead of business growth, hmm. and that's okay. Uh, I I was lamenting to the three of you that, like, I, I sort of felt like I was being washed in these feelings of uh, inadequacy and, like, Uh, uh, guilt of like man you know (laughs) i've met three more people today who uh are are making more than a million dollars a year uh and i'm not and like what am i doing (laughs) i've been been going to this conference for like seven years um how like they make it look easy and you know i i feel like i know all the steps like every every talk it's like the same sorts of thing like well we figured out marketing and we got product market fit and uh we just hammered home on uh, uh selling it after we figured out a marketing channel that worked and you know had a straightforward product and uh <laughs> raised prices uh done <laughs> making a million a year and uh i i just felt like uh, it, it was easy for me in in that framing to be thinking back over the last seven years of like what have i been doing and uh josh had really helpful advice that i've been optimizing for experience instead of business growth i've been doing a bunch of work of like uh going to therapy and figuring out relationships and uh cultivating a bunch of different hobbies and uh as a uh sherry wallings talk uh of things to do to prepare for exiting your business i've been developing my identity outside of being a business owner. This is not the only thing in my life. I got a lot of other stuff going on. I'm I'm doing lost wax casting and uh, paramotoring and uh, rock climbing and uh, a bunch of other stuff. So, and you know, to, to, to have the focus to build one of these huge businesses takes away from something else. Uh, And I think there's some efficiency in that, that you and I had discovered recently of like, we can be consistently pushing forward SaaS business without, making too big of a sacrifice on other stuff it, it can just be two hours every work day and we we can be making making uh meaningful progress but uh it it, it helped me clarify like that's not i that's not what i'm after like i i would if i was making you know 50k a month which i know so many people who have gotten to that point and then exceeded it like i can't imagine doing something with more money than that. Like there's, there's nothing I would be doing after reading all these books about wealth and uh, uh, entitled media and like how the ultra wealthy live. Like I, I, there's nothing there's like at, the, at that point I could, you know, charter private planes and you know, i buy a ridiculous house and like, there's nothing, there's nothing I need that, that would be enabled by that money. I, I don't feel this like hole in me of, uh, <laughs> that I, I feel like I have to prove something to someone else that, that I can make a bunch of money. So that, that helps clarify that like it's okay that it like i i can listen to this person's talk about how they're making um, <laughs> one point four million 1.4 uh million mr uh, arr and uh not just feel like a total piece of garbage that like i'm not doing that i, I can like be happy yeah. for them and like that's great you have this goal and you achieved it and you're you're succeeding at it i'm, I'm that's great for you and i have differently tuned goals part of my goals are like, am I sleeping really well? That's uh, <laughs> that, that has an equivalency in, in ARR of like I would right. sacrifice this much ARR in order to, to be sleeping as well. So that uh, just helped me like solidify feeling good with where I am. Uh, what are your thoughts on optimizing for experience?
1: Yeah. It's easy to go to a conference like microconf where, basically everyone's goal is to make money not at a job and so the optimal thing is whatever makes you the most money like that's that's sort of an underlying sort of trend um but uh it's like it's it's okay to do the suboptimal thing because for us that that's that's not the end goal right like you and i are both making enough money to cover expenses Mm -hmm. um i i would like to be making more money with less effort now right now i feel like I'm, i'm doing a lot of things uh and so one of the reasons that i'm trying to you know putting effort into sass is so that hopefully it can be put on some kind of autopilot or more autopilot which i know is not true actually like you know like i know when i get there i'm gonna be spending all my time thinking about sass and so that's we'll push off that conversation for now but um yeah like i had a similar conversations where i knew i like i kept saying i know i could make more money if i focused on one thing you know like i know i know lots of things but i like doing four or five things and yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah i don't know i i I went fully uh i I don't have any more uh clarified thoughts around that right now except that yeah it's okay to do the suboptimal thing because it's your life right and so you do what what makes you feel good as as long as like you have the basics covered right so yeah i think we're similarly aligned
0: the balancing force to that is that i want to make sure i'm not just making excuses like yeah i there's this is sort of just like a general life strategy but yeah you, you, you have to you have to be okay with where you are while at the same time working to be better <laughs> and i think it's easy for me to get caught up in feeling like i can't be happy with where i am because i'm not yet where i want to be going but you you can there is this sort of like zen like you, you can be where you are and you can be very happy with where you are and you can still keep trying to move forward um so if i if i go too far on the complacency side uh, if I go too far in the zen just accepting perfectly where I am I feel like I wouldn't have discovered things like oh if I co-work with Chris for two hours every day I get a lot more done and it's in this direction that I really enjoy um, so it's a it's a balance I, I do still want to be setting goals and pushing forward and uh, changing my identity uh, while at the same time working on being happy and content with where I am because if I'm if I'm only future-focused, once I get there, I'm going to be just as unhappy as I am right now. Yeah. Uh, so it's you, you need to be doing both things at the same time, and that can be difficult.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jason Cohen has a great uh, end of one of his microconf talks, his old ones, about this too. He's like, um, so you have this goal, right? Say it's to make 20K a month per founder in your startup. Um, that seems like a pretty good life, right? Uh, but when you get there, uh, your startup will be growing still because that's what successful startups do. Yeah. Uh, and then what? <laughs> like it's the and then what question? Which is kind of the point of Sherry's talk too, except for hers was after an exit. But Jason's point was like, you have a successful startup. Now it is a, a you know a profitable successful startup, and you have to worry about like the servers going down and customers whatever and hiring more people and now you're yeah. overloaded and and so yeah, there's no there's no magical end state basically. Yeah. Uh, so you have to be. You have to be happy with where you are, while also trying to improve your situation. Yeah, it's it's a balance for yeah. sure. It's so easy to to think about
0: the position that other people are in and, and be thinking and lamenting like, oh man, if I if only I was in this person's position. I think you had a few com- uh, conversations like that where you heard about people's like Slack app store businesses or their WordPress plugin businesses, and you were like, oh man, <laughs> that sounds like a dream. That's so nice. For me, it was uh, I. I have had this framing uh since meeting josh kaufman that like he sells books <laughs> and how great are books because <laughs> you write them once and then you get them published and then there's no customer support the book never crashes <laughs> you don't have to worry about like people unable to read your book because you know you, you pushed a change to the book that made it unable to compile uh and it's the same residual income it's it's same, like you're doing nothing and, and money keeps rolling in and uh we both had a, a conversation with Josh where he was like, "Man, I look at SaaS, and I'm just like, that seems like a dream because <laughs> you don't have to go on tour, you don't have to be this uh, very egoic like selling yourself, uh, and that's exhausting. And also, the the uh, revenue is much higher, so you don't need as many customers. You don't you don't have to be famous to to be successful. Your business identity can be decoupled from your personal identity. Um, and then it, uh, I was talking with someone else who uh, is making an obscene amount of money uh, and they're having a lot of struggles with their co-founder and like that's the, that's the overwhelming emotional coloring to their day-to-day experiences. Like they show up at work and the work is really enjoyable and that, and the numbers are all going up, but like, Numbers going up is sort of bad because that means it's going to be that much harder to get rid of their co-founder or to to come to some sort of an agreement of, of what's going to happen. Uh, so yeah, it, it, I had, there, there were a few experiences like that where it solidified for me this idea of like, your problems are not going to get fixed by getting to a new position. Uh, there are new, probably much bigger, harder problems in that new position. Um, and the 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 game is just figure out how to be happy where you are. Figure out how to optimize the game for the the card you've been dealt. And for us, I think that looks like uh, figure out how to grow uh, our SaaS businesses to uh, a, a little bit bigger than they are now, like you know five or ten x than they are right now, uh, and do so in a way that's not disrupting our day to day lives, that's not increasing stress, uh, and. You know, that's, that's the next meaningful step. And also we can both be perfectly happy and content with where we are right now, where we are right now used to be where past versions of ourselves were dreaming to be, And you know, past version of me was, I'm sure, you know, mentally thinking like, oh man, once I have a personal assistant, all my problems will be gone. I'll have no (laughs) problems in life that then I'll have really made it. Uh, once I have a Tesla, oh, there's, there's just nothing else that I could ever possibly need. And you know, I, I knew that wasn't true, but, uh, I i am in that position right now and i'm i'm telling myself the same sorts of stories about like ah well if revenue was just this much higher then then i would never need anything again uh and i know that's not true there's problems never go away they just change uh and get bigger uh so working on accepting where i am now and also continuing to move forward
1: yeah I had this thought, so I haven't thought about this for very long, but so in at MicroConf, like people talk about where they're from and stuff. And I talk about, so I live in Indiana, which uh, has a lot of cornfields. And so it's very boring compared to some of the other places that people live. Um, but like one of the benefits of living like in the Midwest, in the suburbs, like I do, like there's a lot of boring stuff. Like it's not a middle of a city, right? <laughs> but there's like a sea of houses and I'm kind of all the, I'm kind of the same as everybody else, which yeah. on on one level is sort of depressing. but uh, But on another level is like, I'm doing just fine. <laughs> like I, like, like everybody else is kind of in this together. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Like I'm sort of the same as everybody else. Um, I don't know. Maybe this point isn't making it across. Cause I haven't thought about it very long, but yeah, it, it's kind of like everybody has their own problems. Right. But we all, you know, sort of are just keep on living in our, in our lives and yeah. Yeah. Be happy with what you have.
0: Um, I'm reminded of a social difference. I noticed when I was studying about in Australia, that there seems to be much more camaraderie and like, socialism is the wrong word America in contrast to Australia feels very individualistic it feels very Mm, like you need to succeed and if you gotta step on people's heads to do it then we'll just praise you that much more because you had the courage to fire people who needed to be fired and in Australia it felt much more like mm, (sighs) like there were more barbecues (laughs) 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 <laughs> like if someone had food it was like oh let me share this food with everyone else and talking to people about their ambitions it, w- it wasn't like ah, i'm gonna start a startup and be just like elon musk it was like well i'd like to work with my friends and like have a job where my friends are working and we can all hang out together and uh i think it's a much happier life that way and that's i think shifting my mentality more in that direction would lead to a, a happier more fulfilled life
1: yeah so so there, there's a saying, and I'm pretty sure this is an Australian saying, although it exists in many parts of the world. But it's called the t- Tall Poppy Syndrome. You know what that is? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: that is like if you get a little too, like you know, a little too like haughty, or a little too, a little too tall, right? Then you're just gonna yeah. come and get cut down. Like you're yeah. not, uh, like people kind of resent people who, who are too ambitious or too, you know, like it's it's looked down upon actually. Yeah. Um, and so versus I, in the states, that's like that's the game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, like most things in life, I think the the like i think the the optimal solution is somewhere in the middle like yeah. you have to have some ambition right <laughs> to yeah. like push forward um but yeah if you get if you get too much then you get really toxic cultures and stuff like that so yeah yeah uh
0: i have so many other stories from microconf one of which was flying on a trapeze i ended up injuring my knee like two days after that i think from the trapeze and i've, I've oh, been no. like hobbling around for the last two days it's getting much better though so, so uh, that
1: is that is why so uh you could pick an outing right and trapeze bowling all these things yeah Uh, i did not pick trapeze because i knew i was going to throw my back out if i did it (laughs) and then i'd be on my back for the rest of my (laughs) account so nope i thought it was gonna
0: be my shoulder but my shoulder was fine uh i'll i'll include a link to a video of me on the trapeze (laughs) the the video alone is worth the the hobbling around i had to do for for two days uh and man i could i could talk about this for the next two hours uh there's a, a lot of cool stuff that happened but uh those are the main things i wanted to hit uh, any other takeaways from microconf from your end uh
1: it got me excited for SAS again which is good um, yeah. i haven't i haven't been to microconf since 2019 and i started machine learning since then i like earnest, i started like doing other things i have way too many projects going on um so yeah, i think i've gone too far in the direction of just optimize for experience and uh i've sort of gotten away from you know like like so my when i stopped consulting basically my income dipped below my expenses and now mm-hmm. to get it up i either have to start consulting again a little bit or uh or like i mean so selling media place helped and then i'm starting a new sas right um so it got me excited to start this new SaaS again, like give me more energy to do that so yeah my goal now is to not consult again <laughs> so yeah i i, I I think it's possible based on my expenses and how long i think you know because i do have some i have income coming in from other things and so mm-hmm. i'm i'm not i'm, I'm slowly losing money <laughs> and so uh I, I do have quite a long runway because I have other income coming in but yeah. um but yeah so yeah, i'm excited for that
0: wonderful and i'm also excited we, we had a few conversations about acorn chat and um there there are other competitors there are other apps like this in the like app store but uh like we talked about before you you don't have to be functionally better than any of those other ones your competitive difference in the marketplace can merely be that you wrote the buyer's guide that you are a better uh 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 oh i don't like the word sherpa uh you're a guru or like a you're you're uh <laughs> you're the mentor helping right. people who have this problem uh, you can just have more areas where you're helping people. You can have more guides. You can have more videos. Uh, you can make your onboarding a little bit better. Uh, it, it, I'm reminded of like, you know, restaurants. What What is the differentiating factor that makes you go to one restaurant versus another? Well, it's all food. You're, you're going to eat food at all those different places. It's just like a yeah. little bit like, oh, I just, I like the seasoning of these deviled eggs a little bit better. Uh, or this restaurant's a little bit closer to me. Um, and if the restaurant's being honest about like, we serve food for this type of person. And if you're someone else, you know, we are a vegan restaurant. We're for vegans. If you're not a vegan, we recommend you go somewhere else. Go to the steakhouse. Um, and there are so many restaurants that can all thrive in the same, it's the same category. It's the same problem. They're all solving. They're all solving the problem of people are hungry and they don't want to cook for themselves. They want to eat uh, with with a little bit of novelty, uh, paying money. And that's, that's like a, I don't know, a quarter of the U.S. market or something. Um, so, As long as there exist people who would benefit from, well, that's a complicated way of saying it. As long as people have the problem of wanting better, uh, higher touch customer support, uh, there will be room for Acorn Chat. And software is nuts. Uh, It doesn't cost you anything additional to have more customers. Um, There's just a little bit you have to do of uh, helping people find your thing and... uh, helping them solve the problem having the buyer's guide to help people who are newly educated about this problem and uh you can be making a ton of money i think you talked to someone who uh has some slack uh app store apps who's just making insane amounts of money
1: uh i think the one you're thinking of was an app store app like a iphone app store app uh, okay um, okay, yeah and he was making a million dollars a year and that's nice like, holy cow
0: <laughs> yeah like that's the the game that you're playing like that's feasible like Acorn Chat could be making a million dollars a year. That's not, that's not unreasonable.
1: Uh yeah. That, how about we start with one customer? I'll <laughs> let's start with one customer. <laughs> We're on the Slack
0: app store now, or you, oh, you have the button on your website that people can add it, but it's not, it's not on the Slack app store.
1: Yes. So, so you can, people can add it now. Actually, it, it, everything works. Um, okay. And I, the big news is I submitted to the Slack app store. So yeah. uh, I did that last week. It takes four to six weeks before you get a response though from, the Slack App Store, <laughs> so I am waiting four to six weeks, basically. Um, while that's going on, like while everything does work, like I'm building my buyer's guide, I'm putting more. Uh, just today, for example, I put um, I, I decided I'm just going to offer free like concierge, you know, setup, basically. So mm-hmm. like you were talking about, a differentiating factor for me is you know I will get on an hour long call for a thirty dollar a month customer, you know, yeah. and I will install this on your you know whatever WordPress website or something. Yep. Um, so I put basically instructions how to install it, and then I said, you know, if you need help email me basically um, and I'll do it for you and so yeah that that's enough that that's a differentiating factor right and uh, yeah but DHH has a great uh, phrase he used this in the 2008 startup school talk that he gave um, and he calls it just a nice Italian restaurant on the internet like not enough people are building just nice Italian restaurants on the internet so yeah he used the same metaphor of restaurants and like there there is it technically yes you're competing with everyone in the world and so it's not the same as restaurants who are just competing locally but yeah it's like You can just build a nice Italian restaurant on the internet. So yeah, that's what I think I've seen that before. Uh, It it is a fantastic talk. It's uh, if you're ever down about like, you know, like making sort of a micro business, like, you know, if you think you have to raise a bunch of money and swing for the fences, he's like, no, you don't. You can, or if you ever, one of of my favorite quotes um, from from that uh, talk is if you think you're too late to a market, right? He mm. talks about Zappos, and he's like, "Zappos is selling shoes. <laughs> People have sold <laughs> shoes before, <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, it's fantastic talk." Yeah,
0: Apple also famously late but really nail the whatever the market is. Uh, you said something very interesting, which is that the the verbiage of your concierge artboarding boarding is, uh, "If you need help, email me," and I'm curious why it's not a live chat widget.
1: Uh, very good question. Uh, one is because I'm a solo dev, and so I'm I'm only on I'm only online for part of the day, so if um, only
0: there was a feature.
1: <laughs> where... <laughs> uh, the my live chat widget actually is on that page, so yeah, okay. that, I could do that too. A- actually, yep. what I was really planning to do was like a a more fully featured like integration for um, like you click a button and like schedule a time and stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, it was way faster to say here's my email address and for so, sure i'm gonna i'm basically gonna see if anyone emails me and and uh, yeah i'm using it as like a, a test to see yeah yeah.
0: So. yeah 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 the the friction to email i think is much higher because you know you click on that email link and you're at a blank email page and you don't know what to do uh at, at minimum i would love to see that you pre-fill in the email with the subject and, and a body of like i'd like to take you up on your offer to do onboarding here is That's the a, world yeah. on my website. on um, that's a great idea. And I, yeah. I agree that like a Calendly or a Savvy Cal link is way better because that's, you know, that, that jumps them ahead four steps of where at scheduling and I have my calendar right there and I, I can see where the gap is. And, uh, that's a lot less back and forth. And then people just show up on your calendar. Uh, that's, that's what I'd be pushing for. I like that a lot.
1: Yeah. I like that. idea. Really. Um, I could fill in almost all the information for them so they could basically click a button and then click another button to send it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good idea.
0: Yeah, I want to do that too. Now that we're talking about it, that seems like an obvious way to trade time for higher MRR. And yeah, if especially in the beginning, it makes so much sense to spend an hour on the phone with a customer for a, a thirty dollars a month customer because yeah. you're I, getting so much out of that conversation. Yeah, um
1: I would pay people thirty dollars to set it up for them. Yeah, because I can yeah, talk yeah. to them for an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that with your first hundred customers. Uh, Maybe they get a free yeah, get a free month if you uh, have me set it up for you or something ridiculous, you know. Like, uh, I don't think you need to do that. I don't either. I, yeah, that, that like I would feel like that was weird as a <laughs> customer. Like,
0: something's not right here. Yeah. Like if I went to a restaurant and they were like, we'll pay you ten dollars to try our new appetizer," I'd be like, "I don't think I want that appetizer." That's a good why point. are you paying me? <laughs> um, but it's it that the value uh, justifies itself. Yeah. Um, cool uh i love uh um manual onboarding doing things that that don't scale uh free concierge onboarding uh any other hot takes key takeaways from microconf
1: oh those are the big ones yeah buying is hard that was that was my biggest takeaway like that was that was the second talk or something and like it would have been worth it if i just heard that line yeah buying
0: is hard Yeah. yeah which she said like in the first five minutes or something yep
1: uh cool i have
0: two things in the 10 minutes we have left that i would love your hot take on these are things that we've talked about before on the podcast and that we've also talked about offline but uh, i want to talk about it again <laughs> all right one of them so i'm uh working on this app for my friend trig who's a magician uh and i'm being a little cagey because i can't talk about exactly what it is but it's it's something I've already made for myself that uh, is a Google Voice front end for Twilio. So, like in Google Voice, you have you know the messages list on the left, and you click on a message, and then you have the message thread, and you can send and receive it from the web interface, uh, and then it also shows up on the on the mobile app. Um, oh, I just activated my Google. I shouldn't say that word. Uh, and uh, when so I this this has been useful for me because I'll have a Twilio number and I'll have a thing that I want to do with it. But also, every once in a while, I want to be able to manually uh, mess with it. The attaboy.dev that we did is an example of this. Like right. I, I have the whole interface of automatically replying to people with these AI-generated responses. But also, it would be kind of nice to be able to look in and see what the threaded response was without having to make an API call and uh, be able to like manually interject something to, to send to people. Uh, I think that'd be really cool. And I think other people might want to use this, too. Like, I know my friend Trig needs something like this, and uh, I... I have done zero market research, but I imagine there's other people who want a sort of interface like this. Um, so I'm thinking about I. So the way that I built it is all on Firebase, and I have all my components for Stripe integrations with Firebase. Um, it would be like now with my new calibration of how long work takes, it would be less than a week's worth of palms to get this to a point where. Uh, it's sellable where there's some minimal onboarding, where there's a landing page talking about what this is, a, a little buyer's guide of like, here's what the landscape is. Uh, and people could go to the page and sign up and enter their Twilio credentials and pay me money. I also don't want to lose focus from file inbox. What is your thought on how I should be thinking about this project?
1: Yeah. My big question is who's going to use it? Um, you also described it to me. I already know what it does, and so that's kind of cheating. Like, it took me two attempts before the call to understand what it even does. And yeah. so, like, I don't think you have your story quite right about, like, what it is and who would use it. Okay. So I think you would need to focus on that. Um, and, yeah, given that you have File Inbox with a customer ready to use your new thing, yeah. um, I would spend all your time getting that ready for him to use uh, okay. before focusing on this. Like, I... I could see how parts of, of this new Twilio thing could be useful, but I'm, I worry that it's sort of a infinitely deep rabbit hole of, of um, who would use it and what features you need to build or how you need to market it and stuff. And so yeah. I see it as interesting, but probably a distraction right now from File Inbox. That's my hot take. Okay. Yeah. That's...
0: Reasonable. That's... Okay. I, I think I think I've had all the technical pieces slide into place but i agree that i don't yet know what the story of it is and i don't yet know what the market is so i think i'm just going to keep sitting on this until i know what that marketing is until i know who it's for um and then i can launch this very quickly as a as a uh a, a SAS, but i do need to figure out the marketing piece of it okay thank you yeah. um, I, I think you're
1: I w- missing like i basically think you're missing like some story on the front so i don't Like, anyone who would use it as it is now could probably just go to Twilio, like, because it it feels very developer-y, although um, the way you're describing it was actually that it's not developer-y, but it still feels that way to me. Like, it's sort of a generic interface, and they have to know what Twilio is and all that stuff. Um, But I think there's probably some use case for, like, sales reps or some use case for, like, if if you found a specific use case, I think it could be useful, but, Yeah. yeah. Okay,
0: market research needs to be done,
1: and if if I could find like a Reddit thread of people being like,
0: yeah, <laughs> phrasing this problem in a way that makes sense to them, uh,
1: yeah, or or if you could find competitors. Like, like if there's competitors that do this, yeah, look yeah. at how they how they approach marketing it, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, I will say though, uh, you mentioned I shouldn't be doing this until I have filing box to a, a state where my one customer can use it. Uh, I shipped that and uh he has an act- active subscription right now. Uh Brian is a paying member of File Inbox using the new platform. Fantastic. And uh I think is receiving his first submissions like now, but that that was a thing that I ironed out right before leaving the microphone. That was like the last palm on Friday night awesome. that, that I did awesome. yeah. yeah. Uh so that that feels really good. Uh quick take number 2. Uh also something we had talked about before. So in our conversation about app stores and how uh if it It's sort of this this smaller marketplace where you can gain the system in the app store uh, and you had said that you had talked to someone who specializes in apps for I think it was the uh, Atlassian app store and was just making a killing is it, am i am I remembering that correctly?
1: I talked to several app store people it could okay. have been <laughs> shopify or Atlassian or Slack. yeah, I talked to all those people <laughs> the,
0: the 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 thing that stuck out to me was that it was it was a more business focused app store that I think was Atlassian and like they they were making per seat, like 10 times more than someone could reasonably charge on the the Slack app store, which makes sense to me, because that's more of a business-minded people. Um, and in the conversation we had, we were like, you know, it, I kind of just want to do one of these for fun. Yes, of course, right. it's a grass is greener situation, and uh, I'm sure there are pitfalls of being on that app store that aren't good, like, uh, you know, eventually if you get too big, the the core app just takes over your thing, and then overnight your business is gone. And at the same time, <laughs> I have a really good idea for a thing that I want. <laughs> all right cool <laughs> that I just want for myself uh, which is a tree map graph. Uh, I don't know why it's called a tree map it's like a computer science tree uh, was was your idea but it's uh, it, it's a grid with a bunch of squares in it and bigger categories are bigger squares that contain smaller squares and I want that graph for all of my business expenses which are all in QuickBooks. So I want this thing to be a QuickBooks app that you have a one-click add-on, and then you have a new screen on your QuickBooks thing that shows you where you're spending your money in this visual hierarchy, very similar to uh, Grand Perspective was uh, older app uh, for macOS that showed you file sizes and that's really good for being able to manage your hard disk space because you look and you're like oh my gosh what's this huge blob oh it's this dmG that I downloaded that I don't need anymore let me uh, uh, take that out and it, it it can be for all these hidden small things uh, and then it's it's so it, it's much better than like sorting uh, by size or in the QuickBooks analogy sorting by like the the amount of the thing is because this visualization can also show you, if you have a whole bunch of tiny things, files or expenses that are all in the same bigger category, uh, you, you can treat those equivalently with single things that are really big and uh, manage this problem of uh, either freeing apart disk space or, or uh, freeing up expenses. And this is another thing that mentally I'm like, you know, in a week I could probably like, I've done the technical <laughs> part of it, which is taking expenses and rendering those as a tree map. Uh, that's a really straightforward problem. And to get something on the QuickBooks store, the last time I dug into this looked about as hard as getting something on the Slack app store, which I guess say that aloud, as we've seen, that's, that was much harder for you than, uh, than you were thinking <laughs> originally. But, uh, I, I think this is something I could reasonably get done in like two weeks. Just get something out there, charge us something for it. And it would be kind of fun to dip my toes into this app marketplace, uh, and just see what that was like. Uh, how should i be framing that in terms of pom allegation
1: yeah so this one i think we talked about this like 6 months or maybe even more ago um i really like this idea because i haven't really seen it for budgeting before and yeah i use i think it's called disk inventory something so, you know some free app for mac yeah. um and it's great for looking at files and so i imagine it'd be great for looking at expenses um uh it's interesting because on one hand uh, you want to put it. You want to just see what the QuickBooks store is like. And the, like the longer time you're in a store, the you know the more sales you'll get. So optimize for getting it in the store. Like you know, yeah, sure. Like just spend a week and, and get it in the store. On the other hand, you know, it's probably a significant distraction from file inbox. You are close to starting to switch people over to the serverless. And so could you do something like, oh, man, I don't know. Like you already have administrative palms. Could you? could you call this your, uh, your, I don't know, what are you calling it? Your passion project or your, your extra project or whatever. Yeah. And sort of reward yourself for doing file inbox things by working on getting something in the QuickBooks store. Um, Or does that not excite you at all? That would excite me. That's a very good answer. I'm sort of doing that right now with this
0: project with Trig. I, well, except today. Today I spent all day working on the, uh, the uh, Twilio project for Trig. How I was working on that project was like, after I've done all my mandatory work of pushing file box forward, I can do whatever I want. And one of the things I can do is paramotoring. And another thing I can do <laughs> is, uh, working on apps for fun. And so work that's been able to squeeze into there is like working on my flashcard app and working on my book reader and working on the smart home project and working on resin 3d printing. Um, so I think if I treat it and like mentally framing it, like <laughs> it's, it's sort of interesting that this is something I've, find fun but like getting an app in the quickbooks app store like that would be fun yeah <laughs> like, it's a neat idea yeah, yeah yeah some people play video games and i uh <laughs> I, I uh make apps that could potentially make a lot of money uh okay that's that's reasonable that'll be my i love i love treating filing bucks as sacred that like that's the thing i i have to work on this for a minimum amount of time per day and it's not that much it's, it's not draconian it's two hours that's that's fine and then it sets the pace for the whole rest of the day um that that feels really good and then i've got the whole rest of the day to do whatever i want and one of those things can be uh getting an app in the quickbooks app store and that's a uh potentially extremely valuable place for me to be spending time that feels really good
1: yeah and i I like this idea better than the previous twilio idea because there is a marketplace that is going to do some marketing for you and so like people go on that QuickBooks app store to look for things to help them with budgeting this is a yep. thing that could help them with budgeting so like yep. it's, it's it's a cleaner story in my mind yep.
0: it also makes a lot of sense for me because like this is a thing that i want i would love to be able to go to quickbooks and yeah click a button
1: and see this uh yeah
0: cool i think that's all i got that's all i got too then i'll see you sooner than next week we're gonna have a, a podcast guest maybe we'll see what happens yeah yes
1: we we should the next episode after this should be a special podcast guest uh if everything goes well (laughs) yeah yes we'll see oh oh uh to uh
0: listeners of this podcast i think i may have fixed the audio issue in the last episode and that should carry over to this episode if anyone notices a difference please let me know and if you if you don't notice maybe maybe don't tell me
1: (laughs) Yes. well i I definitely i definitely noticed maybe that's all that matters (laughs) i I started posting last week's episodes and it just whatever was wrong got worse last week and so i finally (laughs) told you like this is not going well so yes the
0: new one though that does sound better to you
1: yeah the new one that got posted like yeah this week or yesterday or whatever okay sounds better
0: yeah okay i think we fixed it then okay
1: that's it i'll see you later goodbye all right
0: see you bye